Hey, you're listening to What Book Cooked You? I'm Brock Shelley, and thanks for listening. In this episode, I talk to Sarah Glenn Marshall, whose sophomore release, Reign of the Fallen, comes out on January 23rd. In this episode, Sarah will talk about what it was like being a debut author and writing a duology. So listen in. So Sarah, what book hooked you? Well, when I was growing up, I loved reading adult books. I actually got into adult books before I got into YA, which is now what I love to read and write and am so passionate about. Uh, But when I was really young, I started out, uh, when I first started reading novels, reading a lot of mysteries, thrillers, true crime, things like that, which was kind of funny for a, you know, sixth grader to be carrying around these big, scary books. Um, But that was my thing. Uh, The book that ultimately hooked me and got me into YA, which is what I love to read now, was Garth Nix's book, Sabriel which I got my hands on in maybe sophomore year of high school, somewhere around there. And Sabriel is a book about a girl who has to go find her father, basically. Uh, The catch is, to go looking for her father, she has to go into a place called the Old Kingdom. And the Old Kingdom is a dangerous, magical place filled with all sorts of really interesting creatures, uh, as well as you know, the dead. (laughs) There are these evil um, beings that can control and raise the dead. And Sabriel's father in the story, he's the Aborzin, which is basically like a necromancer, Uh, meaning he's, he can raise the dead, but he's charged with keeping the dead in, in place, keeping them down and keeping things under control in this place called the Old Kingdom. Um, And What hooked me about that book is it's the world building, basically. It's so lush and magical and so well-developed. It's so complex. And from there, I, I learned that young adult fantasy can offer some truly incredible world building because... YA really isn't limited to one genre. So you might have, you know, sci fi elements in a fantasy or things like that. And so was this not only your doorway to YA books, was it also uh, your doorway to uh, fantasy as a genre? Because you were saying you were reading so much true crime before this. It really was. Yeah, I think it definitely was a doorway into fantasy. My dad, you know, he tried so hard to make me read The Hobbit when I was a kid. And I, I was just like, Dad, I can't do this. Don't make me do this. Um, he, he tried when I was maybe in fifth grade. And then eventually after reading Sabriel and, and getting into some other fantasy, I was able to then go back, read The Hobbit and really love it. And so then what other books, were there other series or other uh, types of books that you remember, especially, you know, post Sabriel, post kind of 10th grade that that were really uh an integral part of, of, of your high school experience? Oh, absolutely. I remember then discovering and loving an omnibus edition of Lloyd Alexander's The Prydain Chronicles. And again, I was just so wowed by how he had taken Welsh mythology 
and built a world from from the Welsh legends. I mean, his characters were literally, you know, based on characters out of the Mabinogian, which is the Welsh book of mythology. So then I went and read the Mabinogian as well. And then, so during this time, because you're getting so much uh, into YA and into fantasy, uh, were you at the same time creating any of your own stories? I was. So after I really got into fantasy, uh, it became a priority for me to, in high school, uh, to apply to creative writing class. And I say apply because uh, I wanted to be in one of the more advanced years of creative writing, even though I'd never taken it. And so you had to write uh, a short story and give it to the creative writing teacher so she could decide if you were ready for, say, creative writing three instead of just going into creative writing one. And I remember being, you know, so nervous uh, waiting to hear from her, I think, for about two weeks. Um, and when I finally did and I got my story back, she had written so many compliments all over the whole thing. I was thrilled. And were you writing? What were those writings like? Were they fantasy? And what maybe what type of fantasy were they? So if I'm remembering correctly, that little short story, it was a little short. It was some kind of a fantasy short story. And I had just gotten into an author, another fantasy author, uh, not quite in the YA space, although I feel like some of her characters are around that age and her books could be read that way, uh, Patricia McKillop. So her books, uh, for instance, The Forgotten Beast of Eld is one that I really love, or Ombria in Shadow. Her writing is so lyrical. It's like it's like you're, you're looking into someone else's dream because of how beautiful her, her prose is. Um, and so I remember that short story definitely was trying to emulate her style before I had really developed my own style. So I assume that short story then got you into uh, the higher creative writing course. And so from that point on, what was your dream or kind of career you saw yourself in always being an author? So that's a great question. Um, that for the record, that short story with all of her writing on it, I actually still have it. Um, I have it here in my office and I've saved it because I like to look at it when I'm having a rough day with my writing. <laughs> um, so she was wound up being very encouraging to me. So after I got into that class, I definitely started producing more um, short stories and things, but I really didn't consider that being an author could be a viable career at that point. I, I think it was a dream for sure. Um, it would have been a, if you told teenage Sarah that she was going to, you know, grow up to have books published, she'd probably laugh at you and be like, what? Um, so it was a dream. It was definitely the dream. But I definitely didn't consider it as a career at that point. And so, you know, after high school then, uh, you're reading, you're writing, um, and so after high school, were you able to kind of keep that up, uh, your love of reading, your love of writing, or did you find that uh, as you sort of started to enter the real world or whatever your plans were for after high school, that it took up, you found less and less time to do those things? So I really made writing uh, a priority because it 
I mean, it was a big hobby of mine, even as I went off to college and everything. Uh, and one way that I was able to really keep with it as a hobby, and you might laugh, I'm going to sound like the biggest nerd, so um, strap in. But <laughs> <laughs> after I got into reading fantasy in high school and got into Lord of the Rings, I joined an online uh, written role-playing game called Elendor, which is a Lord of the Rings-based written game. Uh, so, in essence, you have a character, and you meet up with other people online and write stories in the world of Lord of the Rings, but in real time. And doing that uh, was a big hobby of mine, like I said. I had a lot of friends on there. I loved my character. I loved that style of writing. I actually feel like that's what taught me and gave me the tools to become an author later in life when I decided that was something that I wanted to try for. And the reason is, um, with that game, when you sat down to write a story with other people, you had to, you know, come up with a problem for your characters. You had to set the scene and do all these different things. And so it would make you think about, oh, what's a conflict that these people might have? What, you know, um, we're elves. What what issue might we be facing? What's the weather like today? And and so you had to pull in immersive details into your writing, sights and sounds. And that really, actually, I did it so much and I wrote so often there that I really think that that helped me keep and brush up on my writing skills even as I was going through college. So tell me about this process a little bit more. So when you're playing this game, is it you're devoting you know, a few hours to it where you're all online at the same time? Or is it something where you kind of build to it uh, you know, maybe throughout a week's time period? Some players might be online, some might be on, off and... Are you always on at the same time, writing at the same time? How does it? How did it really work? So basically, you nailed it. Uh, you would be online with people at the same time. They would agree that they wanted to write a little story with you, and you would uh, meet up. The, it actually has an, an interface, uh, so you'd be logged into the game, and there were different rooms that people had built. So all the rooms had descriptions. For instance, the Rivendell, the Valley of the Elves. Uh, and so you'd have different rooms within that that you could be in. And the rooms might give you an idea for a scene, like the dining hall, for instance. Um, and, yeah, you would meet people online in real time and you would go back and forth uh, writing your story. And so it sounds like yeah, this definitely, for a fantasy person, this was definitely probably good training. Uh, so, yes. you know, you're playing this game and it's for fun. At what point did you try kind of breaking away from that and trying something on your own where you're sort of creating your own world and your own characters separate from uh, maybe Lord of the Rings? So I would say later in college, I had, I started developing my own idea, my own unique world for a story. And I mostly had it in my head. I definitely had a, a folder of story ideas on my desktop where I would keep, you know, all these different ideas, all these different plots, ideas for worlds, things like that. Um, but I had this one story in particular that just kind of wouldn't leave me alone. And I, I love to think about it. And so I had, you know, just uh, a bunch of different files in a folder on my desktop for this story. And that was the first time I really considered like, 
I really want to write a book. I, I love this story. But I, at that point, I did not have the confidence to try it. And so when did you find that confidence for yourself? When did you kind of, we'll say, hunker down and really start uh, maybe taking your writing serious with the goal to uh, get published with a single focus story? So that would have been, I was, it was after I finished my master's, I graduated and I moved to a different city because I'd gotten married and I was having trouble finding a job in my field. So, it, you know, to bridge the gap in the meantime, obviously I had to work. So I took a desk job that I absolutely hated. I mean, the person running it provided no training. So when you're not trained on a job, you know, not the most fun. It was, I mean, it was honestly, it was such a terrible experience. Um, so I was really suffering there and I hated it. And I told my husband that. I told him how much I, you know, I was miserable and he could tell anyway. It's not like I needed to verbalize that. But anyway, we're driving one night after I've been at this crappy job and he turns and looks at me and he goes, you should quit and write a book. And I was like, uh, you're not serious. And he was like, no, I really think you can. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Because he hadn't read much of my writing, but actually he had read some of my Lord of the Rings things. And he had also heard me talking about that story that, that had been stuck in my head since college. And he was like, I, I've read your writing. I really believe you can do this. I'll support you. You should try it. And that I quit that horrible job. And that was when I started writing my first book. And so, you know, then, so you finally get this kind of freedom uh, and you probably in many ways maybe felt like permission uh, to to write yeah. and to really kind of focus in on it. Uh, and, and I assume at that time you sort of had the idea that you really wanted to pursue. I did. I had it. And when I finally sat down and started working on it, I I felt like I was doing something that I guess I was always meant to be doing and it flowed so easily. And I remember uh, reading it out loud uh, to my husband in the evenings when he would come home from work and just being so proud of it. I mean, it was so, it was so effortless to put the words down. And I was like, now this is something that I really, really enjoy. And uh, it was terrifying at the same time though, because, you know, I, I didn't have an agent yet. I, I was I was an unagent author, so it was it was a big risk because obviously I you know wanted to be self sufficient, contributing to the family, and so it was also a really uncertain time. But my joy in writing that book carried me through it. And so you finished that book, and did that book ultimately end up becoming your debut? It did not. My debut was the third book that I wrote. What happened was I tried querying that first book a little bit and I didn't get anywhere, but I discovered the, the online writing community and I started connecting with people there and learning a ton from them. And I learned a lot about what publishing is like today. And I wrote a second book with the kind of the writing tips and things I was learning from others in mind. And that second book did get me my first agent fairly quickly. I was very, very, very fortunate. 
Because, um, you know, no matter how good you are, a lot of it is luck and timing. And so I was very fortunate. I got an agent with my second book. But she and I together agreed that the third manuscript I was already working on would be a better fit for my debut. And that's that's what it ultimately became. Your debut, Fear of the Drowning Deep, comes out uh, in 2016. And you're this debut author. Uh, was it sort of everything you thought it would be, uh, becoming a published author? You know, it, <laughs> it was and it wasn't. Um, I would say one of the best surprises about the whole process was finding my debut group. So meaning other authors debuting in 2016, uh, they created an online community just for people with a debut novel in 2016 in YA and middle grade. And we all banded together and having that support group of people going through the exact same experience was everything I never knew I needed. Uh, that was one of the absolute best parts was having that support system and forming relationships with other people who kind of think in a similar way to me and, and who can relate to, to what I do and to the challenges of it. And so that was incredible. Uh, on the more challenging side, getting your first edit letter when you're an author and you're brand new and you've never had one and it's several pages long and you have an upper respiratory infection Eh, I don't recommend it. <laughs> I had a very tight turnaround for my first edits on my first book. And that was really tough on top of being sick. Um, so it was an interesting process. It was definitely tough, but I learned so much. You know, there's no nothing beats experience. So I learned a lot. And then another challenge was the promotional side of things. Because... You know, unless you are, and you know what, even if you are like a, a lead title, meaning a, a title that the your publisher is really prioritizing, even those people have to do a lot of marketing on their own. And so being a debut author, that was also a total learning experience, uh, the promotional side of things, because in addition to not liking to ask for help, I wasn't super comfortable asking anyone to buy my book, of course. And so at the same time, you know, you didn't want to be, uh, you know, a one hit wonder, we'll say. And so you're you're working on other things. Um, were you able to uh, did you find it was hard to focus on the two projects, writing the next thing and promoting that first book? I did. And what I'll say about that is that a lot of times when you're looking online for writing advice, uh, the wisdom is always be working on the next thing. And yeah, to an extent that's true, but like the less heard wisdom there, which resonates with me is when you're struggling with one aspect of something, it's okay to just focus on that. Like eventually I gave myself a break and gave myself permission to just focus on figuring out how to promote my debut and how to do all that instead of also struggling with my next book. It's okay to take breaks and come back to things, you know? Um, and so I think that sometimes we as authors put a lot of pressure on ourselves to keep producing that next thing, but your next thing can kind of suck depending on how stressed you are. So um, it's it's also natural and healthy to give yourself permission to focus elsewhere for a little bit when that's needed. So your next book, which I highly doubt will suck, is The Reign <laughs> of the Fallen. Uh, so... 
can you first start off by telling us uh, what this book is about? Absolutely. So Reign of the Fallen is an epic fantasy. It takes place in a world that I built that I'm very excited to share with everyone. It takes place in a kingdom called Carthia, and Carthia has been ruled by a dead king for the past 200 plus years. And the reason being is that he has necromancers, meaning people who raise the dead with their magic to keep him in power. In Carthia, all the, the royalty, the wealthy, are able to be raised from the dead by necromancers. If they can afford the, you know, the steep price that the necromancers ask for this. And being dead, all these people in power, they fear change because death is a permanent state. So the king, being dead himself, forbids new recipes, new fashions, people leaving the country. Oh, none of that. So it's this place that's really stagnated. And in the book, you follow Odessa. Her nickname is Sparrow. She is 17 years old, and she has just become a master necromancer. She's extremely proud of her job. It's the source of her identity, basically. It's what she's been training to do most of her life. And she's really taken to it. She has an affinity for this. Um, and over the course of the book, people start getting murdered and she has to grapple with whether this magic that's the source of her pride and identity is really a good thing for her kingdom. And so this book, uh, what was kind of the idea that started you writing this book? Was it uh, the Garth Nix books that we started off talking about or was there some other element uh, that really kind of got you on this idea? So I started writing it when my grandmother was really sick. She's totally okay now, um, but she was in the hospital and things were not looking great. And um, that was when I started thinking about how far would someone go to bring someone they love back from the dead and would it be worth it? And so that, that, was, that was really the kernel of my idea. And as I started to develop it, you mentioned the Garth Nix books that I loved, and of course they were on my mind, and I knew that I had to make sure my story was different in every way from his work. I didn't want to draw from any anything that he had done. I, I wanted to present my own very unique take on necromancy. And so to do that, I went back and I looked at the myth of Orpheus, the Greek myth, about how he goes to the underworld to get his wife's spirit back, to bring her back to the land of the living. And he's not allowed to look at her. And of course he does. And he, he loses her forever. So terrible, I know. Um, but what that inspired for Reign of the Fallen was a world in which when the dead are raised, they have to wear shrouds that cover their entire person. And if, if someone were to see a living person, were to see even a sliver of their flesh, they turn into these monsters that eat people and spirits alike. Did you find that because you had written a few books, uh, some not being successful, but at least a good practice in training and writing, by the time you got to Reign of the Fallen that you had uh, developed a good maybe schedule or regiment for yourself when it came to writing? Absolutely. By that point, I had developed a lot of healthy writing habits. Like I, I learned about myself that I write best in the mornings, so I was able to develop a good work schedule for myself and 
with Reign of the Fallen, uh, I actually spent maybe six to eight months building out that world and those characters before I actually started drafting the book. So when I did sit my butt down to draft, it only took me a little under two months to get the whole thing done. And are you the type of person that as you're writing a story or really uh, working out the world that you're going to write this story in, are you allowing yourself to read uh, other books or do you try to read but stay out of the fantasy genre? How do you kind of balance that? That's exactly what I do. I still read, but I stay out of fantasy. I would I would never be able to not read. Let me correct myself there. I would never not read. Um, it's just, it's my favorite way to relax. But I, I stay out of fantasy. So I actually go back to my first love in middle school, true crime. I love to read uh, nonfiction. I'll read things in, in adult, just different adult books. I'll read horror. I'm a big horror junkie. I also love to read sci-fi. Not only are you writing uh, YA uh, fantasy stories, but you're also writing children's books, uh, picture books as well. How did you come to do that? So how that came about was I learned that, well, two things. I learned that my first agent also represented picture books, and that kind of piqued my interest. So I started looking into some of the picture books that she had sold and things like that. And then the other thing was, my master's degree at my, my university was in elementary education. And so I spent a lot of time with my first graders focused on literacy. And I remembered how much I loved reading to the kids. And it just seemed like such a, both a natural thing to me and also a really fun break from YA because it's, you know, realistically, it's not like I'm able to sit down and write all day every day and having a second avenue that's still writing that I can switch over to when I'm stuck with something in YA is amazing. That's great. And so Reign of the Fallen uh, is a duology, so there will be a, a second book to it. And so when you were first planning out Reign of the Fallen, was it always a duology? Uh, or did you end up having so much there that you needed to split it into two books? You know, when I started writing Reign, I knew the beginning, I knew a couple of the key events in the middle, and I knew the ending. And I knew that the ending left room for that second book. So I guess it was kind of always in the back of my head, but realistically, it wasn't until um, we went on submission, my agent and I, with, with the book, that I sat down to write a synopsis of what that second book would look like. And my agent said something really helpful to me when I was starting out with that synopsis and trying to figure out what on earth the sequel would be about. And that was that I should think of a duology as two sides of a coin. So the themes shouldn't be identical, but that they should complement each other and work together. And that kind of helped me to develop my idea in a synopsis for the publisher to see. And so is when you are kind of writing a book that's from uh, that's a continuation of of the world that you've built, do you have to keep sort of going back to that first book to kind of remind yourself of the elements uh, and the characters and the characteristics uh, in order to carry it over to the new book? I'm laughing because yes, all the time, 
all the time. I had to flip back so much. It made drafting the sequel a lot slower and a lot more of a process than book one. Definitely. Because the littlest thing, I mean, I was so worried about forgetting some detail or getting someone's age wrong. I, the sequel has been written, but it has not been through copy edits yet. So I will be super curious to see if there is something that gets caught that I got wrong. But hopefully we're good. And so when you think back to when you've, uh, you know, back in 10th grade, when you first started to get into YA fantasy and you think of, of your own books that you're writing, do you see a young Sarah really falling for these books that you're writing now? Definitely, and especially because um, in Reign of the Fallen, Odessa, my main character, she's bi, which is something I've known about myself since I was probably about 14. And if I had had a bisexual female lead character in a fantasy book when I was that age, I just would have been so thrilled to feel seen in that way. However, I will say that uh, young Sarah was also a big chicken. And again, I, I loved horror and crime and ghost stories my whole life, but I'm a huge chicken. So I think rain would have scared me a little bit, but I would have appreciated it. <laughs> That's great. Uh, so a few questions sort of as we wind down. Uh, the first one is, what is your favorite movie that's based on a book? Ooh, that is such a good question. And I'm going to give you a long rambling answer because I have such mixed feelings about books and movies. What I try to do when I go see a movie that's based on a book is think of it as its own separate entity and its own work of art. That really helps me. Um, that being said, I absolutely loved Peter Jackson's adaptations of Lord of the Rings. It's hard to beat those. They are wonderful, especially the extended editions. And do you, now, do you have a preference as far as which of the three is your favorite? Well, um, given that I saw two towers in theaters 11 or 12 times <laughs> and my mom got so mad at me. She, she cut me off after like five, but I just, you know, I had a job in high school. I kept paying with my own money. I have to give it to the two towers. I think I love that middle of the trilogy in any trilogy when everything is really dark for the heroes and you really get to see what they're made of. Yes. Uh, so the next question is, is there a book or a series that you're willing to admit that you've either never read or never finished? Ooh, good question. All right. So a popular YA series that I've never read, The Hunger Games. I've never tried it. I just, I get a little funny when something gets hyped too much. And I know everyone loves it. And I'm sure that it deserves all the praise. I'm sure it's incredible. I'm sure it's really exciting. But when something gets that much hype, I just, I guess I heard about it at the height of its popularity. And I was just like, oh, no, that's just not for me. That sounds too exciting. I just, I was a tough customer with the first Harry Potter book, too. Uh, I was very young when that came out and was getting popular and my mom got it for me and it took some convincing and obviously I was hooked. Now, Harry Potter, I've read all of them. I sure. was hooked. I've more times than I would care to admit even. <laughs> but the Hunger Games, I've never tried and I probably never will. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then the last question, what is the last great book that you've read? 
So the last great book that I read would have to be Dear Martin by Nick Stone. That is already out, so you can go pick up a copy, which I would strongly encourage everyone to do. Uh, I'm pretty sure everyone has heard of Dear Martin because it's incredible, but just in case you haven't, it's the story of 17-year-old Justice McAllister. He gets into a conflict with police, and it's an incredible book. Um, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's told in a really unique format. Uh, and it really gives you, you feel like you're in Justice's head. It's so easy to identify with him, relate to him. You understand everything that he's thinking. Uh, and the book raises some really hard questions and it will stick with you forever. It is so powerful and I think it's a must read for everyone. Absolutely. Now, another great book that I finished recently is Heather Ezel's Nothing Left to Burn. That is the story of a teen who is fleeing a wildfire. She's, well, not only fleeing, but being evacuated, mandatory evacuation uh, from a wildfire, which feels really relevant to all the current horrible events happening out Absolutely, in California. Yeah. yeah. So that, that one comes out, I want to say it's in March, February or March of 2018. So keep it on your radar. Excellent. Well, Sarah, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, the book Reign of the Fallen comes out on January the 23rd, and I wish you and the book all the best. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Take care. And that does it for another episode of What Book Hooked You. Special thanks to my guest, Sarah Glenn Marsh. Her book, Reign of the Fallen, comes out on January the 23rd. Sarah mentioned Nick Stone's Dear Martin as one of the last great books that you've read. And if you'd like to hear my conversation with Nick Stone, I've included it in the show notes, along with all the other books that she mentioned. I'm Brock Shelley, and until next time, keep reading. <laughs>